Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Guardian Mindset Podcast. Again, I'm attorney Eric Daigle, and I'm really happy to have you with me today. And today's topic is going to be about First Amendment auditors. What is a First Amendment auditor? Well, we're going to get into that, but we got to start with our quote of the day. Of course, you got to go back to Thomas Jefferson when it comes to First Amendment. Our liberty depends on the freedom of the press, and that cannot be limited without being lost. As you all know here at Daigle Law Group, we have a First Amendment conference called the First Amendment Summit. Uh, It will be in June of 2022 this year where we deal with First Amendment issues. And one of the hottest First Amendment issues has to do with First Amendment auditors. And what we see in more recent times is that groups of individuals purporting to be First Amendment auditors have been challenging police and gaining media exposure by filming inside of various public spaces. And as a result of this new phenomenon, many agencies have evaluated how to respond to these so-called auditors. And many of these encounters uh, do not escalate. However, some of these encounters have become quite challenging for law enforcement. And so if you don't know what I'm talking about, we are talking about individuals who, you know, walk into police departments and just sit there and record. They really are auditing their right to record. And so Let's talk about, well, what is a First Amendment audit? By definition, a First Amendment audit is a form of activism where an individual seeks to exercise their First Amendment right. The audits can take in public spaces such as libraries, post office, beaches, town halls, police and sheriff's departments, and others. The crux of the audits focus on the auditor's right to openly film law enforcement and other public officials. While citizens have recorded police officers performing their duties in the public for years, Officers should be prepared to deal with two contemporary issues related to recording. First, officers and police personnel should be prepared to deal with the First Amendment auditor who may visit their police department or other town facility. Second, officers should be prepared to deal with citizens who record them while performing their duties in the field. In both instances, the recording is not usually passive, and that's really what the challenge is. Rather, the recorder takes an active role in engaging with the personnel, challenging them on applicable law, and in some cases, attempting to escalate the situation in order, in order to garner support from their audience or followers on, on YouTube or any of the social media platforms. Let's take a second and really look at the First Amendment implications. You know, because I'll be honest with you, most of the time the issue comes with that These people are auditing for the purpose of sometimes we think to get a rise out of you, to get to get you to react incorrectly. But what they're really doing is they're testing your knowledge of First Amendment implications in your knowledge of what you are allowed to do. So we have to start with looking at two very uh, looking at a very clear form of legal application nowadays, and that is the right to film public officials in public spaces. So what do we know? Well, many of the United States Court of Appeals have ruled in one form or another, and the United States Department of Justice has taken on a position that clearly established law says that citizens have the First Amendment right to film police performing their duties in public. One of the leading cases in this situation was a case of Glick versus Cunniff. It's one of the most influential or more influential and often cited cases in this line of legal jurisprudence. In the Glick case, Boston police arrested the defendant, Simon Glick. 
when he recorded an incident on his smartphone where officers were taking another individual into custody in the Boston Common. Glick was charged with violating the wiretap statute for the state of Massachusetts. He was also charged with disturbing the peace and aiding in the escape of a prisoner. All the charges were subsequently dismissed for lack of probable cause, and Glick then filed a lawsuit under 42 U.S.C. Section 1983 alleging a violation of his First Amendment rights. The case settled, but it was determined that as long as the police are aware that they are being recorded, it is not unlawful for citizens to film law enforcement officers in the discharge of their duties in public space. In fact, there is in Massachusetts a two-party wiretap law, and the First Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that a citizen's right to film government officials, including law enforcement officers, in the discharge of their duties in a public space is a basic, vital, and well-established liberty safeguard by the First Amendment. The court further advised that such peaceful recordings of an arrest in a public space that does not interfere with the police officer's performance of their duties is not reasonably subject to limitation. As a result, as a result the court concluded that we see no basis in the law for a reasonable officer to conclude that such a conspicuous act of recording was secretly was secret merely because the officer did not have actual knowledge of whether audio was being recorded. Notably, the court determined that this state of the law was well established at the time of the arrest and therefore denied the officer's claims for qualified immunity from Glick's 1983 First Amendment claim. We know that as the jurisprudence, the legal jurisprudence, the legal history continued, other courts across the country have determined that citizens have a First Amendment right to record law enforcement personnel performing their duties in public. Some courts have even taken this one step further, ruling that secret audio recording of law enforcement officials performing their duties in public is protected by the First Amendment, subject only to reasonable time, place, and manner restrictions. So let's take a look at that, because the first thing that you are always going to do as an officer is you're going to say, well, are they able to do what they're doing? And are they, are they legally able to film where they are? And I want to make sure that we focus on what we consider to be reasonable restrictions on the right to film. I'm going to look at a First Circuit Court of Appeals case from 2014 called the Garrick versus Biggin case. Uh, and basically what it said here is, in the fact pattern identified, on March 24, 2010, approximately 11.30 p.m. in Ware, New Hampshire, the defendant Carla Garrick was the trailer car of a two-car caravan on their way to their home of Tyler Hanslin, the driver of the lead car in the caravan. Sergeant Kelly of the Wary Police Department pulled his cruiser behind Garrick's vehicle and activated his emergency lights. Both Garrick and Hanslin pulled over, and Sergeant Kelly parked his cruiser between the two. Kelly advised Garrick that she was not the one being detained and told her to move her car. Garrick moved her car to the adjacent Ware Middle School parking lot to wait for Hanslin. Hanslin uh, Kelly, Sergeant Kelly approached Hanslin's vehicle, and Hanslin advised Kelly that he was carrying a firearm which was properly licensed. After parking her car in the lot, Garrick got out and approached the fence that separated the lot from the road. From there, she attempted audio and video recording of the scene from approximately 30 feet away and announced that she was doing it 
it was later deemed determined that despite her best efforts, Garrick was not actually able to record, but still pointed a camera as though she was. Garrick thereafter put the camera away and sat in her vehicle. Officer Montplaiser arrived in the scene and demanded where the camera was. Garrick refused to tell him. The officer requested her license and registration. Again, Garrick refused. Garrick was subsequently arrested, her camera seized, and she was charged with disobeying a police officer, obstructing a government official, and unlawfully intercept in the unlawful interception of oral communication, the New Hampshire equivalent to the wiretap charge under Massachusetts law. All charges were dismissed and a lawsuit was filed. The First Circuit ruled, similar to the Glick case, that Garrick and any citizen for that matter has a clearly established presumptive right to videotape police activity in public. Most notably, the First Circuit provided that reasonable restrictions on the exercise of the right to film may be imposed when the circumstances justify them. The court explained that such a restriction could take the form of a reasonable contemporaneous order from a police officer or a pre-existing statute, ordinance regulation, or other published restriction with a legitimate governmental purpose. The language from the ruling is particularly important, and it could provide you all with some guidance to officers as to the appropriateness of such restrictions. The court said, the circumstances of some traffic stops, particularly when they detained individuals armed, might justify a safety measure for example, a command that the bystanders disperse that would incidentally impact an individual's exercise of their First Amendment right to film. Such an order, even when directed at a person who is filming, may be appropriate for legitimate safety reasons. However, a police order that is specifically directed at the First Amendment right to film police performing their duties in public may be constitutionally imposed only if the officer can reasonably conclude that the filming itself is interfering or is about to interfere with his duties. Likewise, other courts across the country have determined that there may be restrictions placed on a citizen's right to record under certain circumstances. So, what do we have to focus on here? Auditors, individuals who go into your government buildings and who present themselves in an area where they are looking for attention. Um, they have a legal right to do so. And one of the things that I, I recommend to law enforcement officers and to all government officials who interact with, uh, with these auditors is that I would start right off by clearly articulating to the auditor that they have a legal right to record government functions in open government buildings and locations. But I got to give you some, some mechanisms to help you work through these government auditors. Because to be honest with you, I'm kind of really sick of seeing really bad YouTube videos where officers are using their authority or attempting to use their authority, authority to muster or challenge a First Amendment auditor's legal right to record in government places. So since it's my job to provide guidance to law enforcement agencies and provide guidance to government agencies as to handle these situations correctly, we're going to start out with the clear established legal standard that citizens have a right to record government operations as long as they are not interfering in the government operation. So when we look at what we call a recording policy, a recording police policy, 
We also want to clearly articulate what the law is so that everybody is well aware that they have the legal right to do so. And then I got to be honest with you, in my opinion, one of the first things that I would recommend to you to do, if you're listening to this podcast and you at some point come across a First Amendment auditor who might be causing irritation, concern, confusion, you might be receiving calls for service that the individual is bothering people. And I got to be honest with you, sometimes it's hard to get your mind around these. I would get phone calls from some of my legal clients across the country and they'd say, hey, Eric, uh, we got a guy that's in our lobby and he's recording through the glass in the lobby. What should we do? My response, I got a question for you. What's that? Is the lobby a public space? Yes. Well, then he, he or she gets the right to record there. Well, but they are getting to see police operations. Well, then put blinds up or put some mirroring tint on the windows. Like, you know, you can't have a public space and then control when and where a public space is available. So I want to really give you some guidance here. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to call them uh, considerations or constitutional strategies for law enforcement officers to consider when they're dealing with First Amendment auditors in general. Agencies uh, should be prepared and should do training and have a policy in their agencies that they're prepared to deal with these First Amendment auditors in a constitutionally sound manner. What does that mean? Um, As a result, agencies should review their applicable policy to ensure they pass constitutional muster. They should provide training to officers relative to these policies and adequately supervise personnel to ensure compliance. Agencies should consider some of the following constitutionally sound strategies. So let's break these down. First and most important, which may actually help you not be a YouTube video, is maintain courtesy, respect, and be tactful in your interaction. Remember, most agencies' rules and regulations provide something to the effect of officers shall not be discourteous or inconsiderate to the public or their superior officers and to their fellow officers and employees of the police department, as well as other law enforcement and governmental agencies. They should refrain from the use of profanity, derogatory comments, ethnic or racial slurs, or other types of demeaning statements or comments. They shall be tactful in the performance of their duties and are expected to exercise the utmost patience and discretion, even under the most trying circumstances. This requirement applies to nearly everything that officers do and is not necessarily specific to only those encounters with First Amendment auditors. However, Officers should be reminded that this strategy should set the baseline for all encounters. It does not mean that officers must submit to every challenge or otherwise jeopardize their safety or the safety of others, nor not enforce applicable laws. Rather, the goal is that by treating everyone with respect, that most encounters can be resolved in an amicable uh, as possible, even if an arrest or charges result. It can be particularly challenging when officers are faced with personal insults and derogatory comments. However, the courts have previously advised that in our society, police officers are expected to endure significant burdens caused by citizens exercising their First Amendment rights. So, what do we have to pay attention to? Number two, 
We want to make sure that you never sacrifice officer safety or the safety of others. That would be the most important. Number three, officers are not required to ignore illegal activity. The Supreme Court ruled that the presence of probable cause for an arrest defeats a First Amendment retaliatory arrest claim as a matter of law. The mere fact that someone is recording does not forgive them of all criminal transgressions. Number four, pay attention to behavior and conduct, not necessarily the recording itself. Officers should remember that the mere fact that someone is recording them does not immunize them from being charged with their criminal acts. If someone is committing a crime or violation, officers can take the appropriate action in connection with that conduct or behavior. Frequently, officers run into an issue where they focus on the act of the recording itself. However, officers should be careful to pay attention to the conduct and behavior of the person recording them. For instance, if someone is committing a disturbance but they are recording, officers can take action to charge the individual with disturbing the peace, but should be sure to make it clear in the police report what conduct and behavior the person was engaged in, apart from mere recording to justify the charge. Reasonable contemporaneous orders that may incidentally restrict the recording. I talked about the Garrett case, importantly because it suggests that police can restrict individuals filming law enforcement while performing law enforcement duties in a reasonable officer would believe safety is at risk. When the court issued its ruling in Glick, most citizens assumed that they could film police performing public duties without any limitations. Garrick highlights that citizens can film police officers carrying out their duties even during a traffic stop unless a police officer can reasonably conclude that the filming is interfering with the police duties. If an officer has a safety concern about him or herself or others based upon the conduct or behavior of the person recording them, then the officer can certainly order the person to move from the immediate area to an area from which they can safely record. For instance, Using the fact pattern in the Garrett case, it would be reasonable for the officer to have ordered Garrett to move into the parking lot so she could safely record from that location. Likewise, in the situation discussed above where the local politician recorded and challenged officers during the course of a motor vehicle stop, it was reasonable for those officers to order her to move onto the sidewalk. In that situation, the officer specifically advised the politician that since the car was being towed, a tow truck would be arriving shortly, and they wanted to ensure her safety while vehicles were moving. In such instances, the officer should not address the recording itself, meaning that the appropriate order is not stop recording. Rather, the appropriate order would be something along the lines of, you can continue to record, but you need to move onto the sidewalk in order to ensure your safety. Providing identification upon re request. In instances where an individual requests that officers identify themselves, officers should politely provide their name and badge number or other identifying number. There may be times, however, that that is not reasonable or practical. Consider speaking with witnesses, complainants, and victims privately. Many of our officers are concerned about the privacy implications of having First Amendment auditors present in the department lobby when witnesses, complainants, and victims come in to discuss sensitive matters. It is important for those individuals to feel safe, 
and it is best advice that in all circumstances, they be escorted to an area where a private conversation can be had. Many departments have equipped with a room where officers or investigators can meet with witnesses, complainants, and victims, and those areas should be utilized to ensure privacy and confidentiality. Attempt to defuse the situation. Officers should always attempt to avoid a situation from escalating where an officer might feel compelled to make an arrest. Remember, the most important attribute of any police officer is their ability to communicate and defuse a situation. Seizing and searching cell phones. You know, this is a difficult situation. The United States Supreme Court has ruled in Riley versus California and U.S. versus Worry that absent exigent circumstances, police cannot search the digital evidence contained in a cellular phone incident to arrest without getting a warrant. Some of those exigencies could include the prevent of imminent destruction of evidence, the pursuit of a fleeing suspect to assist a person who is seriously injured or threatened with imminent injury. The court also held in this case that in light of the availability of the exigent circumstances exception, there is no reason to believe that law enforcement officers will not be able to address some of the more extreme hypotheticals. And finally, Consult your legal advisor. For specific guidance on First Amendment auditors in each jurisdiction, agencies should consult with their legal advisors. What advice do I give you as officers as you're analyzing or may be called to a First Amendment auditor recording in a public place that's pretty much just annoying people, but it's their constitutional right to do so? You know, first of all, slow the situation down. Have discussions. Clarify to the auditor that they, you understand their legal right to record and evaluate whether there's a criminal action, whether there's an interference, whether there's a need to move the subject to another location. If you do this, the one thing that I can recommend and that I can encourage is that you might prevent yourself from being a YouTube video. Wouldn't we all like that? With that, I'm going to wish you adieu and bring this podcast to an end. Till next time, help those who need your help, protect those who need your protection, and most importantly, keep yourself and others safe. Thank you.